Welcome to the teaching ministry of Dr. Benji Kelly and New Hope Church. We are thrilled you have joined us for this week's podcast. We hope you enjoy this week's message. Happy New Year to one and all here at Central Campus. Those on the other side of the camera screen, all of our campuses everywhere. Those folks who are watching it anywhere around the world on the World Wide Web. We are glad you are here and welcome you to New Hope Church. Hey, before we just jump right into the message, because I've got a special message today that I have planned specifically for the very first Sunday of 2013. But before we get to that, I just want to praise God. Can I just praise God for a moment for the fact that at Christmas, the Christmas Eve weekend... At all of our campuses, New Hope Church had close to 6,000 people in the house of the Lord. Now, I love the fact that you clapped for that. But what I'm about to share with you, I hope you clap a whole lot more because this is why we exist To the best of our ability, it's hard to know because some people mark connect cards, some people don't, and sometimes you just don't know. To the best of our ability, somewhere around 800 to 1,000 people accepted Christ or rededicated their lives to Christ as Lord. Woo! And I am sure those in Garner and Sanford and NCCIW and uh, all those campuses, I'm sure they are celebrating with us. I also just want to say this just by way of thanks. Um, I know sometimes we throw things at you that you're not like sure about. And we've taken about a year, year and a half to, to, to convince you guys that tickets are the way to go for Easter and Christmas. And uh, free tickets, by the way. And uh, I just want to let you know the reason we could run 6,000 people through this church and never have one person uh, not get a seat, never have to turn away anybody was because you received and took tickets, free tickets, and then came to those particular services. So you just clapped for all that, but I just want to clap for you. Like, way to go, church. Way to go. No, no, I'm clapping for you. Way to go. Way to go, church. Um, Last thing, last thing, man. Listen to me, everybody. I got your full attention. Next Sunday, January 13th, 2013, We are starting what I believe could be one of the most powerful series we've ever done in the life of this church. I have not been this excited about a sermon series in a long time. And we're calling it All In. All In. Now, we're not endorsing gambling. So save your emails. But they did gamble in the Bible. Okay? But we're not, that's not what this is about. This is about what could happen when a whole church, a movement of God, decides we're tired of playing games and we're going all in. This summer I was out at Las Yeah, you can clap for that. This summer I was out at Las Vegas. And I don't like Las Vegas. It was the first time I'd ever been there. I didn't like it at all. Um, and it's just, it's just a, oh. Just a darkness all up in the air. But um, I did because we I was staying in a hotel that had the casino. Of course, they all have the casino. And they let you smoke in the casinos. Ugh. And I'm sorry if you smoke. People ask me sometimes, Pastor, can, can, can you smoke? If you smoke, will you go to hell? I get that question, literally. I was like, no, it'll just make you smell like you've been there. Um, <laughs> um, <laughs> so, hey, if you smoke, smoke away, baby, but... You, you actually really should stop, but um, don't smoke away. You really should stop. It will kill you. Um, where I'm just 
where was I? I was in Las Vegas, and I got off on smoking. Um, so, so I'm in Las Vegas, man, and I, I did, I did go down to the casinos. I didn't gamble. I don't have, a, I've never had a gambling problem, and but I, I do like a friendly game of cards with f- folks. But I went down there, and I didn't play. What I was just mesmerized by was going around and watching the tables of people playing cards. It was incredible and intense. And I saw some guys getting ahead and winning. And when they start winning, man, it's kind of like the Secret Service shows up, you know, with their black suits on. And they're like, they're ready to bust you because they think you're, you're beating the system. But I actually got to see a couple of dudes get so fired up about the cards that they had that they did that famous moment in, in poker when they push it all in. They, they waged everything. Come on, come on. What? What could God do with a church of folks that waged everything for his kingdom? I've told you from day one, those of you who've been here that long, those 10 years, we never had a vision to raise up a church of complacent note takers. We never had a vision to raise up a church of lukewarm people. It's all in, baby. Jesus, listen, I'm about to preach a whole other sermon today. This is not where I was going, but listen, Jesus wants all of you or he wants none of you. And some of you came just for that today. God bless you. Peace out. You can leave. <laughs> Watch this video. This is where we're going, church. The game is a big deal, and it will cost you everything. The risk is great, but the payoff even greater. group of people put it all on the line and boldly go all in. Woo! Fires me up. Makes every hair on my body stand up because it gets me so fired up about the potential. Guys, we are so crammed in here. It is not even funny. Campuses, forgive me, but I have to do this. Man, if you've got a chair anywhere near you, just kind of lift up a hand because we got a bunch of people in the back that need seats. And I'm going to say to this, this congregation particularly, please listen closely uh, later in the service where Pastor Fuller lets you know, check it out. Some of you are going to love this. We are bringing Coffee House Worship back on Super Bowls. Super Bowl Sunday, Coffee House is coming back. We're out of room again. We got a lot of people in the back that need to get in here, but I'm going to rock on. Hey, all in. Listen, don't miss a single Sunday over the course of the next five weeks. You do not want to do it. It will change your life, and it can change the potential of this church, but that's for later. Let me tell you about a message that I believe God has for you today. It's actually a message that I delivered to the staff when I came back from sabbatical. In September, it was what it was a lesson that I taught them on my very first time back with them from the sabbatical. So, in a very real sense, this came all out of my sabbatical experience. And so, I want you to go and open up your Bibles to Luke chapter 13. And uh, uh, you're gonna have plenty of time to get you there because I'm gonna set the context for a moment. But, Luke chapter 13. So, here's the deal um, if you if you knew around here, my wife and my family and I we went on our very first sabbatical ever this summer, ever. 
And so we took, we took a sabbatical and we traveled in different places and we got this grant and it was a gift from the Lilly Endowment and it was unbelievable. And the first part of the leg of the sabbatical was that we actually got into a God, help us, it just stresses me out just thinking about it. We got into an RV and we drove from Colorado to San Francisco. Woo! That's what I said until I woo experienced it. And don't get me wrong, I mean, I would, I won't do it again. I wanted to do it, and I'm glad we did it. It wasn't a bucket list item, if you know what I mean. It was just, it was just like this sounds fun, yay, let's do it. So then, seven of us, we have five kids. I know, call us crazy. We get, we get seven of us piled into this RV, not a big RV, but about a medium-sized RV. We piled into this. That's the very beginning of the trip, okay? So seven of us lived out of that bad boy for an entire week driving from Colorado to San Francisco. And this is toward the beginning of the trip. You notice it's still clean. (laughs) By the end of the trip, it was the nastiest, funkiest RV you could ever imagine. I mean, guys, imagine seven people come using a bathroom about this big for a week. Oh, God, help us. I mean, it was fun, and I'm kind of glad we did it. But listen, when I got to San Fran, baby, and it was time to return the RV, it was like stick a fork in me. I am done. I think I got saved all over again when I gave him the keys. It's like, take this thing. But, but where that picture was, we were, um, we were at Lagoon Amusement Park in Salt Lake City, Utah. And so we're there, and I get out. Uh, I, I, I get out. I actually get up before the family, and I go for a long run. And while I'm running, I kind of develop this devotion that I want to come back and lead the family. Now, now our family, we, we, we're not real good with family devotions. Like some of you picture us to be like this holy family, like Amy Lynn comes down the stairs, you know, singing the hallelujah chorus and, and, and angels bring hot biscuits out of the oven and I come in and break open the word, thus saith the Lord. And the children gather around, feed me, Father, feed me, feed me, feed me. <laughs> See, some of, you, some of you think that's what it's like, dude. No. No. Uh, this is what our devotion was like. I went for a long run. I came back, went to the shower house to avoid the little old bathroom, went to the shower house in the amusement park, came back. By this time, everybody was up. So I said, gather around. So we went outside. We got on a little picnic table right around the RV. And so I started to lead the family in a devotion. And it was ugly. I'm talking like one kid head down on the table. I'm talking one kid going... I'm talking Joshua going, I'm hungry. I'm talking about another kid going, why do we need to do the devotion? I mean, it was ugly. And so juxtapose that image with the first one I gave you. Um, the, the latter is more like it. So finally, I kind of hit a breaking point, And I just put my Bible down and said, guys, all of you have posture problems. I did. I did. I said, you're slumped over. There's nothing enthusiastic about you. Everything about your body language says that you don't want to hear from the Word of God. You don't care about God. And you don't want the sabbatical to have any spiritual impact. Oh, I did. I was preaching to my family. (laughs) You might want to thank God that you're not one of my children. Um, But like I was, I was like, I was was fed up. And so, because Amy Lynn and I decided, man, we got to turn over a new leaf with our family and get us praying and reading together more and all that good stuff. Don't get me wrong. My kids are awesome. They love God. They serve the church. They're great, great kids. But their posture, everything about their posture communicated that they didn't really want to have anything to do with God in that very moment. 
And so I spent the next 15 minutes talking to him about what, what I called the posture of leadership. But it's not really the posture of leadership. It's the posture of leadership. It's the posture of followership. Posture. Posture is important. Like, do you guys know, do you understand that you're saying something to me right now? Your posture. Somebody just, I just saw somebody straighten up. No, 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 no. no. But, but it's true. Like, I'm communicating to you. I'm trying my best to communicate to you with words. But do you know that my body language is also communicating to you? When I went to the University of South Carolina, after I became a Christian, I got back into high school, got my grades up barely enough to get into the University of South Carolina, went to the University of South Carolina, and one of my first courses that I took, looking back on it, it's quite interesting that I chose this course, I took a public speaking course. And the public speaking course, it was one of my favorite courses, and I remember the professor talking about communication, words, body communication, and I remember him using this phrase, but there's also this thing called noise. And noise is this thing that's happening between you and me right now. I'm saying something to you with my words. I'm saying something to you with my body language. You're saying something back to me. But then there's all this other stuff in the air that's called, he was calling noise. Like some of you are communicating to me right now, Pastor, I'm ready for the new year. I'm ready for the word. I'm here to learn. I'm ready to grow. Bring it. Others of you, come on. Others of you are sitting there going, what you got for me? You, you ought to just be glad I'm here, buddy. Um, but so there's this thing, there's this, there's this posture that is very, very important. And what I felt led to share with the staff and what I feel led to share with you on this first Sunday of the new year is that your posture, listen, is incredibly important to how you experience God and God's favor and God's blessings in your life in 2013. It is key and incredibly important. So I want to ask you a question. You know, how's your posture? And I'm not just talking about right now. I'm talking about in life. Do you have a posture of rigidity, of inflexibility, a posture of resistance to maybe what God wants to do in your life? Or do you have a posture of generosity? A posture of receiving what God has in store for you. As a public communicator, when I speak at places, and usually you guys, I mean, you, I've said this over and over, you're like one of the best churches I could ever imagine serving for the rest of my life. So you guys are usually, most of you, are all in and you're ready. But I sometimes speak at different places and I'll have people come up to me after the message. And because I'm always, I mean, I see you. You might not know this, but I see you like I can I tell your faces. I know your faces. I remember your faces. I know where most of you sit usually. And I can tell when somebody sits in your seat. And by the way, we don't have reserved seating here. Amen. <laughs> so don't you go coming up in here. I don't care if you've been a member of this church for 10 years. If some guest gets in your seat, you should say, welcome. I'm glad you're here. God bless you. And go sit somewhere else. <laughs> I don't know where this sermon is going to go today because I'm just kind of going off all over the place. Same thing about your parking place. <laughs> you don't have a parking place here, beloved. I don't have a parking place. There's no sign at this church that says Pastor Benji's parking. I wouldn't, they asked me when we built the building, do you want that? I said, heck to the no. So don't, don't do that. Don't do that. We're not that kind of church. Um, but I'll speak at places and sometimes, because I see people and I can tell from their posture, sometimes people will come out and they're like, dude, that was awesome. I love that, man. What you did there, that was great. And sometimes I got to be honest with you, sometimes I feel like saying, well, you know, since you loved it so much, I really wish you would have told your face <laughs> and your posture. Because nothing about you, beloved, just communicated that you enjoyed that experience. Posture 
is important. Now, you might wonder where I'm going with that. Luke 13 is a passage that teaches us the power of posture and the power of what God can do when he gets a hold of a person's posture. So we're going, to do, we're going to get crazy today, as you can already tell. I need two volunteers. I need a female volunteer, and I need a male volunteer. And ideally, the male volunteer would look somewhat like Jesus. <laughs> and Jesus was not a white Caucasian from California with long, flowing brown hair and blue eyes. Surf's up, dude. That's not what Jesus looked like. Okay? So I know we have, I mean, we don't really know what Jesus looked like, but we, we know he was a Jew with olive skin and curly hair. But... I see, that just blew your, your image right there. Jesus is, not, Jesus is not that dude you saw growing up in the Sunday school with the white dude with blue eyes and blonde, blonde brown hair. No, 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 no. So um, it, it doesn't really matter if you look like Jesus, but if we had a dude in here that looks somewhat like we imagine Jesus looking like, that would be extra cool. Okay, I need a female. I need a female. I need a fe- Look at you, sister. She, 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 she didn't just raise her hand. She stood up and said, I'm the one. Come on over here. Now, I need a dude. I need a dude. I need a dude. I need a dude. I, some dudes are not looking at me right now. They're like, <laughs> I need a dude. I need a bold dude. I need a bold dude. Your girlfriend, your wife or girlfriend just pointed at you, bro. She just sold you out. All right. Give it up for them. Give them some loving. Okay. Really? <laughs> Actually, I just have fun with it. Though I went to Duke, I think the University of North Carolina is a phenomenal school, and I love their sports, and I go there. All of you people who hate one and love the other, listen, don't hate, appreciate, baby. Come on. Come on. Don't hate. Don't hate. So this is my Carolina sister. What's your name? Barbara. Barbara? Nick. And I know you, Nick. And Nick, I don't know, dude, but Jesus might have had a goat like that. I mean, that's, that's kicking. That's kicking. I want you to stand right here, Jesus. Stand right here at this angle. I want you to stand right over here. Tar Heel fan, Duke's going to kill y'all this year, though. Um, um, (laughs) Oh, Susan, what? Did y'all hear what she said? Did y'all pick it up on the mic? She said, I'm, well, I'm about to have a talk with Jesus. And Jesus is the only one that could help them beat Duke this year. I'm going to tell them all about my troubles. All right, all right, all right. So they're going to they're gonna reenact this passage. I'm so glad we don't have another service after this one. Because we're obviously going to have some fun up in here today. Luke chapter 13, Luke chapter 13, verse 10. Luke 13, verse 10. I'm going to read the passage. I want you to kind of reenact it. So as this passage is going to tell us about a woman who had terrible posture. The Bible even says that she was bent over. Yeah, can you stay like that for a moment? God bless you. Bent over for 18 years. 18 years. <laughs> oh, you were laughing at her. I didn't know what I did. It was so funny. Can, can you just stay up here for the rest of the day? This is awesome. So, so she's been over and she comes walking. Jesus calls her. And they have an encounter. And I want you to do, don't, where are you going? 
Wait till I read the Bible, sister. Um, as I read it, as I read it, I want you to live it out. And as she gets over there, Jesus, I want you to live out what it says Jesus did. And we're going to try this. And based on this service thus far, there's no telling what's going to happen. <laughs> Luke chapter 13, verses 10. On a Sabbath, Jesus was teaching in one of the synagogues. And a woman, yeah, yeah, dude, I, I didn't expect you to do that, but that's, that's awesome. And a woman, I, just, I don't know if Jesus taught like that, but um, anyway. <laughs> you two, you rock. And a woman who was there who had been crippled by a spirit for 18 years. She was bent over and could not straighten up at all. When Jesus saw her, he called her forward and said to her, Woman, you are set free from your infirmity. No, 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 he, you're not set free. Stay, stay down, stay down. There's a little bit more to the passage. You are an eager beaver. When Jesus saw her, he called her. We just said that. Woman, you are set free. Listen, then he put his hands on her. And immediately she straightened up and praised God. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Stay there, stay I never imagined it, but I bet Jesus did the fist bump. Right, right? Now, 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 just listen. listen. You got to stay there. You're doing so great. Verse 14. Indignant. In other words, hacked off. Because Jesus had healed on the Sabbath, the synagogue leader said to the people, there are six days for work, so come and be healed on one of those days, not the Sabbath. Is that really in there? I mean, guys, you've got to learn to read the Bible and let it come alive. This woman who's been bent over for how long? 18 years. She's walking by. Jesus calls her. She comes over. Jesus lays his hands on her, heals her. She straightens up after 18 years, hugs him, <laughs> gives him the fist bump. For you seminary people, I know that's eisegesis and not exegesis. I know they were kind of reading that outside of the text, but just put on your imagination. However you imagine it. Healed her. She lifts up and the stinking religious people get mad about it and get like, and then say, you know, you should have come on one of the other days and not the Sabbath. The Lord answered him, you nice guy. The Lord answered him, bless your heart. The Lord answered him, you freaking hypocrite. I threw the freaking part in there. Since they're throwing stuff into the Bible, I threw the freaking part in there. You hypocrite. Doesn't each of you on the Sabbath untie your ox or donkey from the stall and lead it and give it water? Then should not this woman, a daughter of Abraham, whom Satan has kept bound for 18 long years, be set free on the Sabbath day from what bound her? This is where you come in. When he said this, all his opponents, the stinking hypocrites, 
were humiliated, the Pharisees. But the people, that's you because I don't think you're a hypocrite. The people, most of you, the people, (laughs) the people were delighted with all the wonderful things he was doing. Show me some delight, church. Thank you. Thank you. Give it up for him one more time. Give it up, give it up, give it up. Unbelievable passage of Scripture. In our remaining time left, I want to talk to you about posture. I want to talk to you about a posture that will literally change your life in 2013. Because here's what I want for you. I don't necessarily want anything from you, but I definitely want something for you. And the thing that I want for you is the very thing that I want for myself. I want 2013 to be the best year of my life. I want 2013 to be a banner year for me, for this church, and for you. And because you just clapped, and I bet you got excited at the campus level as well, my hunch is that that is exactly what you want. And if you want that, I believe I have a message straight from the heart of God, again, that I delivered to the staff a couple months ago, that will change the trajectory of your life if you will embrace it and hear a fresh word from God on this first Sunday of the new year. Here's a question for you. Would you consider yourself a person who has a generous, receptive, forgiving posture? Or would you consider yourself to be someone, if you were honest, I'm not going to ask for a show of hands, you would, you would have to admit, you know what, I kind of have a posture of resistance. I kind of have a posture of rigidity. I kind of have a posture of unforgiveness between you and God. How how would you describe your posture? Because it matters, beloved. No one might have ever told you that before. But your posture, my posture, how we go through life really does matter. Here's the second question, and then we're getting into it. Would you allow me to offer you a kind of flexibility test today? A flexibility test. A posture test, if you will. It's going to be between you and God. You answer the questions how you want, but I want to talk to you about a posture that can impact your life from this day forward. Here's what I find about people who have a generous posture. Here's what I find about people who are healthy. Here's what I find about people who are growing in Christ. They have a posture that embodies, right in the word go, a heart to let go. And if you don't have your teaching notes out, I can't imagine why you would not want to after we have sensed what God is about to do here today. Grab your teaching notes. Grab that pen in front of you. Take notes in your Bible. Okay? You say, well, I don't think you can write in the Bible. Beloved, it's a tree wrapped up with cow butt. Some of you will figure that out later. It's the holy word of God, but it's paper bound by leather. It's a book. You can write in your Bible or in your teaching notes. God loves for you to lean in and engage his word. The first thing is a heart to let go. The flexibility test of a great leader or a great follower, a great person who's going to do great things with their life, is a person who has the ability and a heart to let go go. I find that many, many people in this world have great talent, great potential. They might even love God, but what continues to prevent them from soaring to higher heights 
is this inability to let go of the past. Some of you are here and you're holding such deep-seated grudges against people. Some of you are here and you've been hurt. And believe you me, beloved, I'm not making light of the fact that you've been hurt. I'm right there with you. But you've been hurt. You've been betrayed. And you're holding on to the past and the fact that you have not yet developed a heart to let go of the past, to let the past be the past and step into a big, bold, bright future for God. The fact that you will not let go has a lid on your life, beloved, and you will never soar to the heights that God wants you to soar until you develop and nurture and embody a heart to let go. Listen, everything about you is everything about you. I know, quite profound, right? <laughs> I know, but don't dismiss it. It sounds, it sounds basic, but don't dismiss it. It's really, really True, everything about you, and if you have an inflexible heart and a a heart that doesn't forgive and a heart that doesn't let go, listen, that will define you. I promise you it will. New Year's 2013, this year could be a banner year for your life, but some of you just need to let go of 2012 or 2011 or 2010 or something that happened when you were a child. Some of you just need to let go. The Bible says this. In fact, Jesus said this in Matthew 5. Why don't we read it together? Matthew chapter 5. Ready? Go. Therefore, if you are offering your gift at the altar, has something against you, leave your gift there in front of the altar. First go and be reconciled to them. Then come and offer your gift. Jesus says, hey, even if you're worshiping and you are about to give a gift to Almighty God, Jesus would say, hey, here's an idea. Get up and go let go. Get up and go be reconciled. I've never said this before teaching, but I think now might be a good time to say this. If you need to get up right now and leave, that would actually be an act of obedience. If you were to go and call somebody Or write that card. Some of you need to go here today. When you get out of this church today, some some of you need to go pick up your phone and call somebody and say, you know what? I forgive you. Not, you know what? I forgive you, but, (laughs) but what you did was awful, but I forgive you. No. Some of you need to say, you know what? God is doing a work in my life. And I want to let you know that I forgive you and I want bygones to be bygones. I want the past to be the past. Let's just let it go. And I want you to know that I love you and I'll pray for you. Thank you. Have a great 2013. Some of you have hurt other people. And what you need to do is not go and call and tell them you forgive them. What you need to do is call or visit God might call some of you to buy an airline ticket. I've done this. Buy an airline ticket and jump on a plane and fly somewhere to look somebody in the eye and say, I'm sorry. Not, I'm sorry, but you shouldn't have done that to me. No, no, no. God's doing a work in my life, 
and I've looked back at the past, and I actually realized what I did was wrong, or what I said was wrong, or how I hurt you was not godly, and I'm sorry. And here's a very important way to end it. Will you forgive me? Who might God be calling you to go reach out to a boss, a colleague, a neighbor, an aunt, an uncle, a father, a mother, a friend, a brother, a sister, who did that when you were a child? Again, I'm not making light of what they did. But you will never step into the big, bold, bright future that God has for you, beloved, until you learn to let let the past be the past. At that same church I shared with you earlier, I was at the Hillsong Conference. At that very same conference, Joyce Meyer, any Joyce Meyer fans in the house? Yeah, women love Joyce Meyer. I like Joyce Meyer too. I mean, I listen to her. I'm not, not on a regular basis, but whenever I can, I check her out. Um, I've read some of her books. Joyce Meyer spoke to that big old, it was like a... a Gwinnett Center in Atlanta. It was a big uh, center. It wasn't a church. She spoke, and I didn't know this about her. She actually shared in her message that day that when she was a kid, her dad, her dad, I don't know if I'll even be able to tell it without getting emotional again. Her dad raped her. Not once, not twice, not three times, not four times. I mean, the way she described it was her dad raped her dozens of times. She shared this story, and she shared how God did a work in her life when she started experiencing the favor of God and God's anointing and blessing on her ministry. She started to share how she started to have this kind of arguing bout with God as she felt God calling her to let go and forgive, and she didn't want to let go and forgive. But over a period of time, she actually learned to let go and forgive her dad. She bought her dad a home. Then she bought her dad a car. Then her dad got sick. And on his deathbed, she led her dad to the Lord Jesus Christ. Her dad became a Christian and passed from this world into the next. And as Joyce Meyer shared the story, guys, there wasn't a dry eye in the place. You could feel the Spirit of God there. We were watching a woman tell her story about the power of forgiveness, of letting go. Who do you need to forgive? Who do you need to ask forgiveness from? Here's the second thing. The second thing is a, a, a generous posture, a posture that'll take you places you've never been before, is a soul to be slow. A soul to be slow. Write it in, write in the word slow. Now, two confessions. What I just talked to you about a heart to let go, I have always done very, very good at. I mean, I am really good at letting things go. I don't know why. I've, just, I've never been able to hold a grudge. Staff people will tell you, people know me. Man, I can, somebody can do me wrong. And yeah, it'll sting for a little while. But you know what? Before long, I not only forgive, before long, I forget. One, one senior saint at the, early, at the church I served before I came here, she said, Pastor, what you need to make it through this world is a good forgetter. 
I like that. I mean, I just, I, I've always been able to let go of hurt, pain, and I've been hurt a lot, betrayed a lot. I can just let go. Can I be honest with you? I'm not that good at number two. I, 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 I just kind of like to move really, really fast in life, and I'm very, very passionate, and I go, 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 and I've struggled all my Christian life with developing a soul to be slow. Any of you have recurring dreams when you were a kid? Any of you? Show of hands, because this is interesting to me. Oh, wow, actually a lot of you. Um, I, I had a recurring dream when I was a child. It happened over and over and over and over again. And sometimes now as an adult, believe it or not, very rarely, but it still happens maybe once or twice a year, I still have this same dream. And the dream, I can't describe it to you in great detail because it's always kind of fuzzy, but the dream that I had growing up and still have occasionally today is that I'm running frantically from something. And I don't know what it is, but I'm running. And I'm always scared to death that that thing is going to catch me. And so I run and I run and I run and I usually wake up, you know, heart beating and I'm clammy and I don't know what that is but as I actually started to unpack my story and reflect upon it I think it actually impacted me in life I think I just have developed a habit of just staying on the go all the time afraid something's gonna catch me if you will and so I've had to work really 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 hard to develop the soul to be slow and thanks be to God the last five years or so I've made huge strides in this area but how are you doing See, I believe busyness, I believe busyness is an epidemic in our culture. I believe some of you are here and you're utterly exhausted from 2012. And what you really need to do in 2013 is learn to slow your soul down a little bit. What you really need to do is, is learn what the Bible calls Sabbath, rest. The Bible has this kind of ratio, this kind of relationship going on in the scriptures where God has created us to work six days and rest one. Work six days and rest one. Work six days and rest one. Some of you are here and you never rest. And you're fried. And your soul is parched. And it's rough around the edges. And what you need to do in 2013 is actually learn how to rest more. To actually slow things down, not just on Sabbath, but even on a daily basis. You know, just actually slow down and have some time of prayer. Have some time in the Word on a daily basis. You would not believe what it'll do for you if you just get up 15 minutes earlier in 2013 and you just read the Word of God. And you just breathe in. And you breathe out. And you just learn to rest a little bit. I got to tell you, returning from the Sabbath has been hard for me. I've been back now four and a half months. And I didn't realize how tired I was until I took the sabbatical. I didn't realize how Mach 5 speed I had moved for so long until I took three months unplugged, disconnected from ministry, truly rested, truly slowed the soul down. It made all the difference in the world. Do you know that scripture says that resting, resting is one of the few things that scripture tells us to work hard at? Hmm. Imagine that. Working at resting. 
Here, here's a quote. You really need to get this. If you don't get into the rest of God, you won't see the rest of God. Jeremiah 2, 25. Take a deep breath and, and hear this. Ready? Slow down. What does it say? Slow down. Take a deep breath. Let's try that. Take a deep It felt so good. Do it again. Take a deep breath. What's the hurry? Why wear yourself out? Just what are you after anyway? Some of you are spending your life searching for things and seeking for things and, and working, working, working on the rat race of life, trying to acquire this and acquire that and acquire this and do this and do that. And you're fried and you're wasting your soul. You're burning your soul because you're just searching for something. When maybe what you're searching for is rest. Now, I feel the need to say this guy. I got a lot of young people here. Young people. I'm not suggesting that you sit on your butt all day long and eat Doritos. And I'm not suggesting even for a moment that you think you're entitled to anything. We have an entitlement issue in our country. And young people, I'm not preaching at you. I'm just letting you know that that's in the water you're drinking in your generation. It's this wild, ludicrous notion that you're entitled to something. You're entitled to what you get off your butt and work for. I just knew the old people would like that. <laughs> it's true. It's true. So I'm not, what I'm not saying do nothing and expect somebody else to give you everything. Okay? But what I'm saying is get up, work hard, make something of yourself, but realize there is a biblical balance that God has laid out for us. Work six days, rest one. Work six days, rest one. It is can change 2013 for you. It's a heart to let go. It's a soul to be slow. It's a mind to change. A mind to change, right in the word change. Let me be blunt. Let me be blunt here for a moment. We hate change. You're like, no, I don't, Pastor. I love change. I'm, I'm with you. I say I love change. We've always prided ourselves on being a church that loves change. We'll change things, we'll change things just for the sake of change. We love change, but you know what I've concluded? We love change that we control. You can say you like change all you want, beloved, but the truth is you love the change that you are able to control. And I wonder if we could move to a place where we say, God, however you want to change me, I'm game in 2013. I wonder if we could say to God, I don't want to be in a rut. If you want to change my mind about something, change my mind. The flexibility test that would enable us to not be bent over in life, but to allow the touch of God to come in and give us good posture would embody a mind to change. Let me say something to some of you. This is key because you, you're thinking about New Year's resolutions. You're thinking about things you want to do in 2013. The practices... The attitudes, the habits, and the responsibilities that got, to, got you to where you are today will not get you to where you need to go tomorrow. The practices and the attitudes and the habits and the responsibilities that got this church to where we are today, listen, listen, this is key, will not get us to where we need to go tomorrow. We often need to change. And it is the inability to change 
that kills many, many churches. And it is the inability to change that kills many people. How are you doing with change? Do you embrace it? Could you embrace it? Let's read Romans 12, 1 and 2 together. A great passage of Scripture. Here we go. Ready? Go. Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as? Let's continue. Holy and pleasing to God, that is your true and proper worship. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be by the renewing of your what? So be transformed by the renewing of your mind. And then it says, then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is. See, guys, there's a huge difference between challenge and change. Huge difference. And for some of us, that distance is really, really big. For others of us, it's not that big. And because you're here in church and you love to come to a church where you get challenged and all that kind of stuff, I know you guys, you love the Word of God. You want to hear it. But there's a difference between being challenged and actually changing. There's a distance there. And some of us love to be challenged, but the only problem is we never really change. And my question to you as we get into 2013 is, how can you narrow, how can you shorten that distance between challenge and change? To get an update, if you will. How many of you, when you're on your computer, how many of you, when that box pops up and it tells you it's time to update your software, you know what I'm talking about? How many of you love that? And when that happens, you just enthusiastically click on the update button. How many of you do that? About five of you. <laughs> the rest of you, I guess, are like me. You prefer the what? Ignore or remind me later button, right? I'll, put, I'll click that remind me later button three or four times. Now, I've gotten better over the years as I've had problems with computers. I mean, just you better go ahead and update that bad boy. So I've gotten a lot better. But some of us, come on, some, some of us just need to, we need to kind of update the mind. This is not a church where we check our brains at the door. This is a church where we think. This is a church where we engage. This is a church where we study the Word of God. In here on Sunday mornings, but in your home, in your, in your prayer closet, in your car, in your workplace during the week. Amen? This is a place where we want God to change us and update and strengthen our mind. I'm not talking about in any way veering from the truth. But listen, if you're not changing, if you're not learning constantly, growing in the area of your mind... Again, it can kind of be that lid for you. It can be that thing that kind of holds your posture down. Here's the last thing I'd say, then we're done. It's a generous posture, a God-honoring posture, allowing God to touch you and, and rising up to great heights for God. It always involves the strength to endure. Write it in, the strength to endure. How's your strength today? You know, I know about you. I know because I experienced it too. Right now, you know, it's January. We're, we're kind of excited about the new year. We're ready to go. But we also got the post-holiday blues, you know. And it's been a little cloudy lately. It's like I started to wonder if the sun was even going to shine in 2013, you know. It's just cloudy for the first four days or so. Had a little sun pop out, and now it's back. And how's your stamina? 
again, just being very uh, transparent with you today, when I came back from the sabbatical, I got to tell you, I struggled with this one question. I struggled with this. Do I have the strength and the stamina to go the distance? You've all heard me say before, I want to pastor one church for the rest of my life. It's New Hope. And I, I, I guess it's because I just slowed down and I realized what it's like to live a normal life and not have the weight of ministry and the, 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 the leadership demands of leading this thing. And I, when I totally slowed down and then I stepped back into it in August, I got to tell you, and I haven't shared this from the stage yet, it was brutal. I mean, brutal, the weight of it and the heaviness of it. And I found myself wrestling with this question. Oh, man, can I do it? Can I get back into it? Can I, can I develop and keep, if you will, the strength to endure? And there were days when I wasn't sure. And I would say two things about that for you. Here's the first thing. I believe the ability to develop a strength to endure in your life, whatever your life looks like, is the ability to never grow bored with the mundane. Did you hear that? It might sound insignificant, but that's huge. I believe what enables a person to go the distance and endure this with stamina and strength is the ability to stay amazed and thrilled with the familiar. I'm talking about a flower that will bloom this spring, beloved, that you still look at and go, oh, thank you, God. I'm talking about a spirit inside of you that still looks at a gorgeous sunrise or sunset and praises God. Did you see this on Friday? On Friday, I left the church at 530, and I had to pull over. It took my breath away. Check this out. I pulled over. And just continue to reflect. Yeah, yeah, God, I'm in. You're still the almighty artist of all time. And I tweeted it, and I actually got on Twitter, and I saw that Twitter was lighting up because all, a lot of you saw this on Friday. It was the most breathtaking sunset. Again, I believe the ability to endure, the ability to stay vivacious for the long run, the ability to stay engaged and keep your strength up and keep your spirit up is the ability to stay thrilled with the mundane and the familiar not bored think about how we talk to kids those of you who like kids <laughs> like when we talk to kids we get so excited don't we I mean earlier this year Josh got into the first grade man that's our youngest and he would come home every day and he was so excited because he would get these little stickers if he was on good behavior he would get a sticker so every day Amy Lynn and I would come home and we were so excited and we'd get down and did you get a sticker and he'd go yeah I got a sticker and we oh we celebrate the sticker <laughs> and I thought kids kids get this and maybe this is why Jesus said unless you remain as a little child you will not enter the kingdom of God children get this they stay excited they're thrilled with just life and when we talk to kids we get like this we get excited and then we'll show up in church and somebody will read John 3 16 for God to love the world and you'll go oh, yeah I heard that before why what, what is that all about it's the ability to stay wide-eyed and thrilled at the smile and the warmth of a person. The ability to stay appreciative and grateful 
for a friendship, a hug, a roof over your head, a car to drive, to live in this great land. Some of you have just gotten so bored with the mundane and what you really need to do is ask God, just waken your senses again. Life is still beautiful, beloved. God is still good. And here was the second thing I had to realize about the strength to endure as I was wrestling with God one morning again, a little teary-eyed. God, I just don't know. I, I just, I don't know. It just gets heavier and heavier every year. And like, really, God, you're gonna, it's gonna keep growing, so this is gonna be never-ending, really? I mean, like, really? When does it stop? And I was wrestling with that, and I was like, I don't know if I've got the strength. And I realized in that very moment, from that still small voice of God, that I cannot do it on my own strength. I can't. But with God's strength inside of me, and God's strength inside of you, beloved, we can actually do great things for God. But it comes from relying not on my own strength, not on my own self, but on Almighty God. Can I get an amen? It's key. I remember like 10 years ago, we built a home. I built, not built a home. We bought a home in Chapel Hill. We came from Kentucky. We bought the home. We were getting ready to start this church. It was in the beginning stages. Joshua, I mean, it's not Joshua. Benjamin and Wesley were about that tall. They were small little fellows. They're 13 years old now. Well, they, I looked out in the backyard, and we had this playground blocked off with timbers. I didn't do it. We bought the house. It was already there. And I saw my son, Benjamin, in the playground and in Chapel Hill and really in the central North Carolina area. The soil often has these big rocks in it. You've seen these in neighbors many times, big boulders. Where this was just a rock, it was, it was about that big. But Benjamin was only about three years old. And I remember watching him in the playground. For some reason, he got bound and determined to move that rock. And he kept trying. And he kept trying. He could not. It was a heavy little rock. He could not move it. And I just watched. And then I went out there after I watched him. I mean, I didn't interrupt it too quickly. I just wanted to see what kind of tenacity he would have, how long he would try. And he just kept trying and trying. So finally, when I knew, I mean, I need to go, I need to go talk to the boy. I went out there and I said, what you doing, man? I'm trying to move this. He, I, he says, but I can't. I said, yes, you can. He goes, I can't. I said, I said, yes, you can. He goes, I can. And he's grunting and he's trying. I can't, Dad. I said, yes, you can. He goes, how? I said, by letting me help you. And I got down around him. I didn't relieve him from the project. I said, I need your help. And I got down around him. And with his hands on that little boulder, I came around my boy. And I helped him pick it up. And we moved it. And I said, you can do it if you'll let the strength of your dad help you. And some of you are here and you have great dreams and great plans. The problem is you're trying to do it on your own. And what God would say to you in this first Sunday of 2013 is why don't you let me get down 
And why don't you let me wrap my strength around you and my love around you and my word around you. And why don't you let me help you? Why don't you stop trying to do it on your own? And why don't you sit back and let's see what we can do together? How's your posture? Bent over? Why don't you let the Spirit of God touch you and lift you up and develop in you a heart to let go, a soul that learns to rest in the rhythms of God's grace, a soul to be slow. Why don't you let God touch you and change your mind some this year, enlarge your vision for what he wants to do in your life. And why don't you let him touch you with his power, with his strength, so that you can actually have the strength to endure this thing we call life. Praying that for you. Praying that for me. And I believe it starts with these four things. Father, we give you thanks for your word. We give you thanks for this day. Father, we give you thanks for this posture passage that we see in Luke 13. God, what an amazing text. God, I thank you that your spirit has been thick in this place today. I thank you that you're moving in people's hearts and lives. God, I thank you for moving in my heart and my life and teaching me this, God, often the painful way, but giving me the chance to share that with these, your people that I love so much. Father, I pray great things for this church in 2013. I pray that it would be a banner year for every single person here, every single person at our campuses, every single person that might watch this and experience this anywhere around the world, God, I pray that you would minister to them, that you would touch them. God, that you would be with them as they go to be reconciled with those who've hurt them or those that they've hurt. Father, for those who need to slow down, I pray that you'd slow them down some. For those who need to speed up, I pray that you'd speed them up. God, take our minds this year and just teach us. Take this upcoming series, Father, all in and just blow our minds and change our lives with this series. Lastly, God, give us a strength, a strength that comes from you, something outside of ourselves to endure. Father, we give you everything that we have, everything we give to you. Have your way. Right here and right now, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you so much for joining us today. If you would like to learn more about the ministries of New Hope Church, please stop by one of our six campuses anytime or visit us online at www.newhopenc.org. If you would like to financially support the movement of New Hope, you can do so by clicking on the e-giving link at the bottom of our homepage. We hope you will join us next week. God bless and thank you for being part of our church family.